This is David Marler, UFO researcher, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Dandy. I mean, Andy. <laughs> um, and joke for all the cool kids. Apparently, some people have referred to us as Dandy online. Um, I don't That's like being first. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, this is a review of the documentary by Dan Aykroyd. Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. From Aykroyd. Uh, very famous movies such as Ghostbusters, um, from Saturday Night Live. I was going to say Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, and Ghostbusters Afterlife. But, <laughs> yeah, you covered um, them all with the, yeah. that one. Dan Aykroyd, very famous actor. And the documentary is called Dan Aykroyd Unplugged on UFOs. Now, uh, the reason we're doing this is we've done a couple of reviews last month of A Terror in the Sky and the Aerial Phenomenon documentary, which people were very much uh, enjoying. People have asked us for some time for, for recommendations on documentaries, on books, all that kind of stuff. And it's something I've been meaning to do for a while, and we finally got around to, to doing it. Um, and we're going to at least once a month release a review of an older documentary, or if there's newer ones, such as Moment of Contact coming out in the coming months, we'll look at those and review them too. But this is one I found a few years ago on YouTube. Um, it's free, it's on YouTube, and I really enjoyed it at the time. I mentioned it to Dan. Dan, you hadn't seen it before you've watched it recently, is that right? That's right, yeah, I, I hadn't yeah. watched it before, and I was really excited too because I, I've enjoyed Dan Aykroyd's appearances on, on Joe Rogan and things like that. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily ascribe to all the beliefs that he does, but it doesn't matter. He presents the subject really well, I think, and, and I was excited to watch. You and you were excited to watch is the word. So, like I say, I've not saw this for quite a few years, long before I even had dreams of the podcast. Um, this documentary was made in 2005. Uh, Dan Aykroyd Unplugged on UFOs is the full title. So Dan Aykroyd is a big selling point of the documentary. However, it's not like William Shatner appearing in a UFO documentary. We'll get to it, but Dan Aykroyd has quite a good knowledge and passion for the ufo subject um the cover of the documentary or one of the covers has the tagline some of the most striking ufo footage ever taken if you ever perused your blockbuster global video um hmv or whichever of your dvd slash vhs stores used to have that ufo section i'm sure we all remember wandering over past the wrestling tapes there'd be like the <laughs> naughty section and then you would see like usually it was the roswell autopsy video wasn't it yeah like, that was the one that was always there uh, front and center but surrounding it were all these very similar-looking UFO documentaries, and they all had really similar taglines of incredible never-seen-before footage, the most mind-blowing UFO footage you'll ever see, top-secret declassified footage now inside, and that's that's how they were all portrayed. And they all had a really similar look, same taglines, same people, and it was very Nick much... Pope on the front. Yeah, Nick Pope on the front, or other people of the time. It was all very 90s or, or early 2000s. In many ways, this documentary is, is quite similar to a lot of that. However, I'll, I'll get into it. I like it, and I'll tell you why. Um, it was directed by David Sereda. That's not why I like it. That was a bad segue. Um, directed by David Sereda, who has a couple of documentary credits to his name in terms of being a director. 2009's Quantum Communication and 2005's Dan Aykroyd Unplugged on UFOs. He's also appeared in various roles on and off camera, on variety of UFO-related shows and documentaries. Um, nothing particularly famous necessarily. So worth checking out on INDB if you're looking for a bit more information or if you want to check out that 2009 Quantum Communication documentary. 
However, he didn't direct much after that, so that's probably saying something. Um, this documentary starts off with David Sereda showing Dan Aykroyd setting up on camera very casual. Dan Aykroyd sitting on a couch, a bit like the smoking man in the X-Files, but that's, without that's the, the shadow. That's I have, yes. That, yeah. It very much leans into that, doesn't it? And and also a sign of the era that you know the whole cigarette thing was there and al- allowed to happen on camera. Now that's kind of a distasteful thing to have. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of distasteful, like early casting couch look, but um, <laughs> we'll know what that means. But yeah, it's like uh, Dan Aykroyd with the, the kind of shady surrounding, I don't know. And that's what I mean by casting couch. It's like, I don't want to say seedy, but it's just a bit dark and dingy and the blinds are closed. And I don't know if they're going for that secret location type look. And... That's exactly what they're doing. Like, yeah. uh, you, you know, we, we can't do this in broad daylight. I have to give you this briefing in a room in a warehouse at yeah. the back of you know nowheresville yeah and it starts off with that kind of casual conversation where they're setting up and and dan Aykroyd's just kind of messing about a little bit it comes across as low budget to be fair it will have been very low budget a lot of it is archived footage um i don't think it's poorly produced i think it's just dated it's, like you yeah. say it's now 17 years old and with a lower budget 17 years ago you got probably this was the best you could have done in terms of production is that is that fair i i know i don't think that's they fair. Could have done better, i think you think? could have done better i just think that you know we're at the beginning of the kind of democratization of access to filmmaking and tv making tools so they were clearly using five-year-old stuff that they had access okay to, let, let me correct let me correct that then was it well produced for the other ufo type documentaries like that of the time eh no Are you still still I'm, I'm still similar? yeah okay it was we'll get into it a bit, a bit more right a okay second, but yeah <laughs> so and listen a lot of it is made up with um some well-known and lesser-known ufo videos generally again stuff from the early 2000s 90s uh, you know um, handheld video camera on the shoulder jvc type you know video cams um shaky cam footage as we would come to know it it dives into the history of the subject early on mentioning uh, project sign grudge blue book i very like this part detail. of it yeah. yeah not much detail but very whistle stop tour and one of the notes i have and i've said to you already that there's just a lot in this documentary um that you kind of you know i felt like i wanted to breathe from it at some point and on one hand that's really good because it's just packing in the detail but in the other it means the story it's telling is just too too bombastic almost for a guy sitting in a chair, you know? <laughs> do you think it could have came with a little warning? And I would suggest maybe listeners do this if they're going to go back and watch it, which I will suggest now, spoilers, like go go and watch this if you've got an hour and 22 minutes spare because it's, it's not the worst way to spend an hour and 22 minutes. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> but have a little notebook because like Dan says, if you are relatively new or newer to the subject it does throw a lot at you early on and i think if you had a little pencil and notepads like you know like an old journalist style you know or project sign grudge blue book bang 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 it's thrown at you and if you were new to it you'd be like oh my god what are these and they're never spoken about again um so it's it's touched on early on that dan Aykroyd knows his stuff when it comes to ufos um you don't get any more detail on that and they quickly move on dan Aykroyd comes across as as he comes across well, I would say. He comes across as knowledgeable, a fan of the subject. I don't think he gets ridiculous and sensational, necessarily. 
He's quite logical and sensible, particularly early on as well. He talks about how far we've come in a hundred years from the Wright brothers' wooden and fabric flights to where we are now. You know, I, what, I like that what, perspective. Yeah, and it's nothing we've not said on the podcast before. You know, our, our others haven't said as well, but it's it's common sense. And again, think of think of the audience that may see this, just fans of Dan Aykroyd or people looking for UFO content on on YouTube. He talks about what would a te- uh, technologically advanced civilization have with that thousand year head start or or 10,000 year head start. This made me think, Dan, pause for a second. Why was Dan Aykroyd not a candidate for an early Tom DeLonge? Because he seems to come from a very similar type of place of very passionate about the subject, seems knowledgeable. He's talking about all kinds of stuff. He doesn't mind speculating, but there seems to be a lot of common sense. And just to push that a little bit further, very early on, he mentions like, you know, multiverse and interdimensional hypothesis, which I don't think you would have heard too much of at that time. And those types of documentaries, it very much would have been aliens coming from other planets. Not that others like Dolan, Greer and, and the likes Grant Cameron wouldn't have been talking about those types of theories and hypothesis. Jacques Vallée, of course, and others. Um, but I thought that was really interesting to hear someone like Dan Aykroyd just you know, spitting them bars, as the kids say early on. Riffing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I, I think what we're looking at with Dan Aykroyd is he's a big sci-fi fan. That means he's going to have read, you know, all the books. Um, and there's a lot of ideas in them that, you know, now we kind of use to a, a shorthand almost to discuss them. You, you know, I, I've mentioned in recent years, now we're getting some of these concepts in the MCU. So we're going to have like little kids that just watch, you know, superheroes fighting able to understand conversation about the multiverse and quantum things and that's kind of wild if you think about it but he he clearly is interested and passionate and i just think that he's he's been digging into it a lot um i think maybe if he was a little bit younger when that kind of post internet age happened i think he there's a good chance that he would have been someone like tom along to kind of spread the message um, you get that plausible deniability with him because there are some of his beliefs that you know don't necessarily match the the more kind of realistic uh, ones that he'll discuss. But ultimately, I just think he was a bit too early. You know, we're we're seeing a lot of people come through that aren't necessarily religious and that grew up in the time where that was seen as an excellent thing, and just so on and so forth. So you kind of end up with a lot more open-minded people coming into the office just after he's kind of hitting that really popular curve. Um, so yeah, I, I think if, if he was younger now, he absolutely would be a, a target for kind of dissemination, I guess we're talking about, right? Yeah. And and that, that's a fair point. I'm, I'm looking at his IMDB just now. And there was a lot of people when I, when I done a little bit of research and digging into this, that would say this was one of the reasons that Dan Aykroyd's career sort of never went any further because of his beliefs and some of the things he talked about um including ufos as well because it just wasn't the done thing and like obviously ghostbusters was huge he had a huge career in the 80s some famous films coneheads the favorite favorite of mine as a kid you know blues brothers was in there then he done voices for the ghostbusters series animated series games but yeah for this being made 2005 he didn't do a whole lot after that other than ghostbusters related stuff um it, it took it a certain amount of time as well for tom because tom's been into ufos and the paranormal ever since you know he, he could get his hand on a computer pretty much and went to i, I yeah. think it was a library book he found um and so you know it's not like anyone was giving him information at the start of his career 
he got very big with Blink, and then this kind of official contact came along. And the conspiracy-minded out there might might want to consider that Blink-182 played a gig um, not long after the Tic Tac incident occurred, I believe, uh, on the USS Nimitz. So, yeah, you know, so there could have been some conversation there with some of the sailors on board uh, that I wonder if, you know, he caught wind of something there. Yeah. And do you know what? To be fair, I, I guess the way this is presented, anyone who, who might have been from one of those stovepipes that Tom DeLong talks about might have looked and went, ah, a bit too conspiracy-ish for what we're looking for. And he's put his views out there. And um, But the whole setup, it's, it's very honest. It is what it is. It's, and it doesn't really change in terms of settings. We don't get shots of Dan Aykroyd walking down various different streets and alleyways at night. Like, uh, what, what did what you think the of the, the UFO footage they included? Well, I've got here that a lot of the clips are zoomed in. This was my very next note, but it's pretty poor quality footage for the most part. And on the poor quality footage, they are zooming in on poor quality footage, which just makes the blob harder to make out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I sent one of the clips to Vinny and I, I thought that it resembled a, a certain craft um, that we talk about. Some people call it the Aurora and stuff like that. And he he saw a completely different shape in it, and he was totally valid. It was just you know a smudge essentially on the screen, and it was just like, yeah, how do we how do we even discuss the footage that's being included in this documentary? However, is that then this documentary looking at people who are fans of the subject or knowledgeable about the subject like us? That's not the selling point then, because we're not having that sold to us. This is for people who have a very passing interest in UFOs or are just dipping their toes in, who are going to see this kind of stuff for the first time and go, oh, wow, look at that. The the Billy Meyer stuff, which I know is very much to some people's taste and to other people's not. Um, is that the stuff we keep getting emails about? Yeah, uh, yeah yes it is yes yeah okay yeah okay we'll, we'll say no more um and that, that's nothing secret folks but just some people are very keen on us talking about it and, and um th- that footage and those clips are in there quite a lot and I, I i don't believe those are genuine clips or that's genuine footage of ufos and um, however they are presented on this as you know here's some ufos and people new to the subject at least it gives them that in of oh that's interesting and then i, they I can wonder do that if it bottoms themselves. out though we we had this issue with um the ufo series done by bad robot jj abrams where some footage was included of sightings that have been you know some people think they haven't been debunked but i i would say most of the community would agree that they shouldn't have been included because those sightings have been proven a hoax or questionable at the very least and there they are. And if people then kind of take the little description that's in the corner and go and Google that, and the first thing they come across is that it's a hoax, it's just killing their interest in the first like 10 seconds, right? It yeah. would be so much nicer to just have that consideration of, you know, yeah, I know there's only kind of three videos, but it's all we got right now that are actually confirmed, you know? So this is what we have to work with. I also get 2005, the internet was still pretty fledgling in terms of what you could do on it and its reach for people and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of this stuff may or may not have been debunked or widely known at that time. Something that crops up several times on it, and I couldn't even remember if it was the same footage, but I've since found out it is, and one of the listeners had even brought up the same thing. The, The clip of the 12 Mexican UFOs. Sure. Is the oil field. It's the oil field, yeah. Yeah. And I was looking going, is that the same footage? And and it is. But again, in this documentary, it's provided as, look at these UFOs, three were on radar, or nine were on radar, and three weren't on radar, and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, ah. But again, for the time, for when it was made, 
the interesting footage in this for me, would you would you guess? Because again, we'll go my next note, Dan. Um, I've got three. It's a three letter thing, right? S S T S. Oh yes, yeah. I've got NASA's four, but yeah, S T S. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so uh, the interesting footage is the NASA stuff, and obviously very timely. That's interspliced throughout, and um, we hear about Gemini two. Uh, which was unmanned, being followed by UFOs. Uh, Gemini 4 astronaut James McDivitt reported something was quote-unquote up there with them. Uh, and we see Gordon Cooper on camera, who's who's talked on, on the subject you know, over the years before he passed away. Um, archive footage uh, of him speaking, of course, but uh, he's got an incredible CV and background, not only just being an astronaut, but his military career as well. And he talks about Roswell, people he's spoken to about it. He hopes the US military have managed to reverse engineer flying saucers. But all of this, as they're talking, has some of that STS footage over it. And the best one for me, and I still think it's some of the best UFO footage out there, if you remind me, Dan, I'll put in the clip of it, is, can you guess actually, Dan, which one I think is the best one? Is it the one with the missile? No. Where it looks like, oh, is it not? I I was going to say it looks like kind of something comes in and it, it stops. And then it looks like something gets shot up, shot from the planet's surface at it, and then it kind of zips away out of frame again. That's very good. But the other one where it's the the two objects come in at speed from the left-hand side, Okay. they stop dead and then slowly float up. And either one of those on their own, if those objects came in at speed and shot across the camera, eh, meteorites, space junk, whatever, ice crystals, I'll, I'll take any of those explanations. Or the object slowly floating along. Again, I'll take any of that space junk, satellites, secret TR3B, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that's fine. However, no, you don't get that last one. (laughs) However, the fact that those come in at speed, stop, and then change direction and move off. And I know you've said to me as well, Dan, I'm I'm 100% sure this was you. I'm not giving away any secret sources here. But there are satellites which do that. We have satellites which can move and stop, but they don't do it at that speed. You know, satellites do. No, turn. we th- think of something in a pool kind of moving around. You can yeah. push one way, but you're kind of still going to drift, aren't you? And and then you've got to push the other way to kind of stop yourself moving. That's what that looks like. Um, yeah. There's a video of the, oh, I want to say one of the capsules that went down to the moon where you can kind of see it maneuvering like that. It's again, we'll include the link because uh, it's really interesting, but you can see how something maneuvers in in kind of um in the vacuum of space and how it should move um nothing should be stopping dead on a dime you know yeah on the documentary link which will be the first link in the description of the show so do check it out even if you don't want to watch the full thing skip to 25 minutes in roughly 23 25 minutes that's where the nasa sts stuff is um and i think that's that's some of the best footage available and if you are nasa and you're undertaking an independent study into uap and you've got a low budget the first thing you can do is jump on YouTube, search your own archival footage and go, oh, do we have the raw data and the raw one of this? Because that would be an interesting one to look at. You know, that, that for me is incredible footage. And, and, and I one, of, love... one of the cool aspects. Sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is me putting out there to anyone who's sceptical. Please, honestly, get in touch with me. Email, whatever you want to do. If you can tell me what that is that makes sense and is sensible, then... Those objects come in at speed from the left-hand side, stop, and then move off at a 90-degree angle very slowly. What would that be that isn't something intelligently controlled? Answers on a postcard, please. Yeah, but sorry, Dan, on question. your go. It's a very good question. And just to clarify as well, uh, there, there are things called like geosynchronous orbit, 
um, and geostationary. And they're basically satellites you can put, uh, um, or the certain type of orbits where you can pop a satellite and it'll stay at the same point over a planet, or it'll kind of, you know, go around the planet twice for every kind of one rotation of the planet. Neither of those things move in the way you've just described. So it's not a satellite as, as we kind of think of it like that. So just want to be clear there. I don't want people thinking that I'm, I'm kind of saying the satellites can't stay still because they can. It just doesn't yeah, move the, that there is, way. There is zero room for debate on these objects coming in at a speed, yes. stopping, and then moving at a 90 degree angle in a different direction slowly. So... Yeah, I would love to be educated on what those could be. And if someone can tell me, I would be like, oh, yeah, fair enough. But you, you can't just say, oh, whatever. That's that's fascinating footage, genuinely. And if you do nothing else, go and watch that clip. Um, but we'll put the, the isolated clip in the description as well. Um, so, something to consider with the NASA thing as well is for national security, there are a lot of satellites that are in use that people just don't know about, uh, you know, places like NASA might not get access to them because they're for, you know, uh, the National Reconnaissance Office or something like that. Um, so those things often get handed down um, through the agencies as their capabilities, you know, they'll launch something else and replace it. So then they'll say, hey, NASA, you can have this satellite and track infrared to this resolution over the planet. So we literally could have more tools and data available for those clips than we did at the time. Yep. So it's going to be real interesting to see if they dive back into those archives, because you're right, they should, because, yeah, <laughs> I want to know what that is too. Keeping on the astronauts discussion for the moment, astronauts seem to have a really wild swing of opinion on the UFO subject. I've always thought that if you're going up into space, you're going to see some stuff, because I imagine, I'm not expecting it to look like the Jetsons or Futurama up there, you know, like interstellar highways, but I would imagine you see some pretty incredible things and I imagine space looks very different when you're looking at those windows to what you imagine it would even look like. They're just, you know, yeah. a big black expanse. I imagine it's just, it must be very strange. But I, I would expect that these astronauts would see stuff quite regularly, whether they report on it or not is, is different matters. But you get those like Gordon Cooper, Edgar Mitchell, Buzz Aldrin, you know, are very open and happy to speculate. Buzz Aldrin sat on, on news reports and talked about monoliths on the far side of the moon and things like that, which, you know, I get he's a very elderly gentleman, but he's he's stuck to his guns on a lot of these things for a long, long time. Um, on the other hand, though, you have younger uh, astronauts, newer to, to the field like Chris Hadfield, who can be, as much as a lovely guy, quite derisory about the UFO subject, and others where they basically came out and was it Chris Hadfield that recently said you were stupid to believe in, in yeah, UFOs and aliens? Strong words. Yeah. Strong words, unfortunately. I, I think part of that issue is because there's just, you know, back when Gordon Cooper was going to space, there was a lot less stuff in space. Now, you know, we've had China kind of um, blow up satellites in orbit and let the debris kind of fly around. So that would kind of create millions of little particles or thousands maybe. But there's a lot there that could be mistaken for a UAP. So I think, you know, if anything moves in a strange way out the window, there's, they would just describe it to that. Or they could say, oh, you know, it was just XYZ from another country or an old rocket engine or so on and so forth. Just because, yeah, there's more stuff in space. Whereas back when Cooper and everyone was going up, you, you kind of just had more opportunity for them to go, wait, that's not something that we make. That's odd, you know? Definitely. And, um, Black Knight satellite aside, you know, there's a topic for another day. Yeah. I guess they must get briefed before they go up as well. And if you see anything, you know, 
I must be mentioned. Do you think it's mentioned? Wait, can I just have a little quick aside on that? There yeah, was yeah. a paper released recently uh, where the team was looking at whether there was anything in orbit, basically, before we sent any artificial things up into orbit. Mm-hmm. And they found a couple of candidates that, yeah, we, we think there was something orbiting us, uh, basically. And, and more work is being done on it. So, yeah, you can call that the Black Knight satellite if you want, but there was something orbiting us. On that, other STS footage, and we talked about this on one of the shows. I think, did we do this for one of the KGRA shows that you can find I on think YouTube we did, still? Yeah, a couple of, um, a couple of on clips. The, our favourite kind of footage um, shows. We'll need to do some more of those. But it was the Tether incident. And I might get this badly wrong, folks. This has been researched by me for almost 30 seconds. I believe, though, again, we'll put the link for the Tether one. Dan, make a note on that, and I'll, I'll put that in there as well. But they were doing an experiment in space from the space station. And they put, am I correct in saying a 12 mile long tether? Yes, it was a very long tether. Okay. On that footage, you see it appears that objects are passing behind the tether. Because unless it's a camera malfunction or whatever, but it very much seems that these weird looking, what what they call that type of circle with a hole in the middle, donut looking, but... Let's say bagel. Let's just say yeah, bagel. Yeah, bagel. Yeah, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd gives it a name, and that's it. Is it Spidel or or something like that? He says the name of it on the documentary. Um, but there's lots of these kind of floating about. They look almost like organisms under a microscope. Yeah, they remind me of jellyfish. They kind of undulate in the same way, yeah. and it looked like they were just kind of drifting. And it definitely goes behind the tether as well. There's a few kind of the ones that I would call the big ones that if you watch that so footage. That's that's the issue for me, right? I get you can have all kinds of artifacts on a camera or things that you you know, I'm no expert on that kind of footage, so I wouldn't know what it could be. And it could be any kinds of things. But if you've got a twelve mile long pole out in space that you're filming, and again the quality and footage isn't great. It was the nineties. It's a pole being filmed in space and it's on is it not infrared but it's on a weird kind of filter so they can see it properly but that be yeah 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 um, uh, you know they're not broadcasting in color from space yeah uh, that's not age, HD basically folks, yeah. <laughs> however these objects appear to be floating along and passing behind what is a 12 mile pole and i saw one of the comments if you find the footage online we'll put the link to it someone saying that that would estimate the size of the object to be width of one to three miles that's just again i would love to hear someone explain what those objects could be and if you can tell me it's something natural then what kind of size is that floating about behind a tether of that length you know in space because that again to me is pretty startling footage and again for it just to be out there yeah 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 absolutely i I agree with that uh it's one of those videos that i kind of and again, we've spoken about this where YouTube, it's becoming harder to find stuff on YouTube. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just that the YouTube algorithm is getting a bit crappy or what, but yeah, there are certain what I would call classic UFO videos that are just kind of difficult to find now. Try and find it an Ackroyd one just on its own. I struggled. I had to get people to send me the link to it. It's not, you don't just type in Dan Ackroyd unplugged on UFOs and it appears. It's, uh, and that's with the correct spelling of Ackroyd. Um, so yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, in terms of footage, that was a quite an interesting bit. That's around 25 to 30 minutes in. You see a lot of different bits of footage. The NASA stuff, though, I think you've you've said the same, Dan, is definitely the most interesting that's on there. Was there anything else that stood out to you in terms of, of footage? They um they speak about the, the National Press Club, which I thought was interesting to look mm. back on because we've actually had proper hearings now as opposed to the mock hearings that they had. But I think everyone would agree that 
had the hearings been a bit more like the National Press Club hearings, we all would have been a little happier with with kind of, how should I put it, um, our sides showing. Yeah, a very young Grant Cameron on there, a young Richard Dolan, among others. Grant Cameron's on the podcast in a couple of weeks. He's coming on after the Brazil hearings happen. So that'll be an interesting discussion, no doubt, yeah, with, uh, sure. with Mr. Cameron. Um, get your questions in early for that one, folks. Um, about a third of the way now through the documentary, it gets on to abductions. Um, so we get a bit of a shift in tone. Um, Dan Aykroyd compares frogs being used for study and dissection and how other species may view us. We have said similar on the podcast, talking about, you know, fish and other analogies like that. Where does abduction sit in the timeline of this conversation even now? Because for so many, it's really sensitive as a subject. Same with any type of experiencer conversation. But is it fair to say it's just too far for the conversation to happen right now in the mainstream? It's, It's the bit that makes people uncomfortable, I think. Unless you're someone that's experienced this and so, you know, you've really internalized kind of what's going on uh, in terms of, you know, they're here and something's taking you. It becomes a really scary part of the conversation that the walls no longer keep us safe, right? That national security is breached. There's nothing we can do about it. I think a discussion about that is ahead of us because things like the Brazilian hearings, you know, Canada agreeing today to, to share their data with the US, all of this stuff is going to start amassing. And at some point, someone is going to say, wait, so our abduction's real. And then we've got essentially an investigation into what may be, you know, missing people's reports across America to try and find out if any of these people were potentially taken. Um, there's reports of abductees having, you know, their eggs taken and things like that. This This kind of gets really heavy and scary. Anyone that's experienced this will no doubt be suffering from PTSD, and that that's a really delicate part of this conversation. It it's going to happen, but it's ahead of us. Yeah, I think if you if you took someone like who was a friend or family member with no real interest in the UFO subject, and you start having a sensible conversation about, you know, what happened from twenty seventeen and the hearings in the US, hearings in Brazil, here's some footage that has been taken and declassified from from the US Navy and such. Um, and I find I can have that conversation and draw people in a little bit, especially when the podcast gets brought up in the place I work. People talk about it now and people know I do it. And you've got a podcast, UFOs, really? Da-da-da. And you can have a bit of a chat. I feel that, you, imagine like a magnet, you kind of attract them in and pull them in a little bit when you go, look, forget about space and forget about aliens. What about some other ideas? And, oh, yeah. okay. I think when you start to mention the abductions and things like experiences and being taken to see other planets and star systems and experimentation it's like the magnets flip and they start you know when you try and push two magnets with the same together and they just don't want to fit yeah you get that resistance don't you from people where it's like nah nah, 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 okay too much and it just seems like you lose them so i get why that's not a part of the conversation right now and i've said before i wouldn't be shocked if behind the scenes there are people high up within the government, high up within the military, who they themselves will be experiencers. But that's where those conversations stay for now. Yeah. So when, and I think it was John uh, Davies I was talking to some time ago as an experiencer. And, and he said he felt that frustration, not having a seat at the table, you know, experiencers being represented. It's only my opinion, but I think they are. They probably just don't know that yet. Yeah, um, I think so. I, I, I would say to anyone who's an experiencer to, to feel represented by the side of the conversation that talks about things like the hitchhiker effect and people taking things home with them. That's that's the side of the rail where 
it's going to lead to uh, something essentially being done and people being taken seriously instead of being laughed at. That's just no way to treat you know trauma victims. Yeah, given the time of the documentary, I won't go through the whole the whole thing bit by bit, but I think the first third is definitely the strongest part. As it then moves into other topics, it jumps about and bounces about a little bit. I did get a moment though where I, again, I think it's about halfway through, three quarters of the way through. Dan Aykroyd mentions some of the cases in ufology. Bear in mind this is two thousand five, and he mentions Betty and Barney Hill, Pascagoula, and I was like, yeah, and the Phoenix Lights gets brought up, and I was like, yeah. that that was all they had, Roswell, and unless you were really deep in the subject and at the time on really you know lesser known forums online or signed up to newsletters or some magazines that were circulated everyone was having very similar conversations and please as someone's probably sitting shouting that at 36 i don't know and i wasn't there for those and no i wasn't i was the guy the kid at the library like dan was getting out the videos getting out the books and just kind of seeing what was available there wasn't that same access to knowledge and information that we, is we now. couldn't connect in the same way right no we couldn't email david Mahler and just go hey how many triangle cases have you had this year did you have one in this area i thought i saw you know you, we just couldn't 100%. do that yeah and and i think that showed me that how lucky and fortunate we've been in the last five years yes there's been some rough stuff come our way in terms of some some shaky footage and i think even just today there's been some stuff come out that the article the drive released the other day it, it turns out the the drones that were were on the footage are actually just lights on the ship. Yes, absolutely. This this is why it's no really questions important. asked either. That's that's fair. Those those are lights yeah, from the ship. They just are right, and and it, it begs a lot of questions about what's going on uh, because it could be that things are being intentionally uh, misled, or it could just be kind of ineptitude. Um, there was also a thing pointed out where a lot of what were called drones. Or possible possible UAS that was the term used mm-hmm. um, were actually stars in the sky and they've been mapped and matched and fair enough again uh, so it's just begging more questions you know it, it's just as valid to say possible UAS as it is to say possible UAP yeah. so always spin those unknowns and and just you know people should hold off on running to either side of the aisle basically you know they they might be Pleiadians but also if we can't prove that let, let's keep spinning the plate but on the flip side. In the last five years, there's been so many good talking points, so much yes. good footage, so many, you know, podcasts have popped up, blogs have popped up, YouTube channels, newsletters, magazines, you know, new authors, look at Graham Rendell, you know, our friend and colleague, and new voices on the subject and new ideas, new opinions, and, and social media, love it or hate it has its place as well and none of that was around back then and it's like we've said before that it was the same cases the same information and it was just little bits and pieces and i know i've said before i i ripped vinny a little bit didn't i when he said on twitter it was the it was kind of the quiet before the storm and i was like (laughs) look at the last month how much we've had actually come out it's just we're so impatient now because it's that 140 character information heavy generations that we, we we see a day with no news and everyone just eats each other alive so yeah, I think it sure. made me feel very lucky that 17 years have passed and these cases have got their place in history. Pascagoula, you know, um, Travis Walton, Betty and Barney Hill, Kenneth Arnold, you know, all that stuff has happened and has its place. But we're moving forward at such a rate of speed that 
and we're getting a lot of crap thrown at us as well. You know, you talk about those Chinese satellites that are being th- blown up up there. You're trying to do all this good work on the ISS and you're fighting your way through all the crap that's blown about round about you. You just have to get through that kind of rough patch and, and you get to the good stuff. Um, so I, I thought that was a nice little moment for me where I was like, oh, actually, we're, we're really lucky kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, we, we take it for granted uh, having having almost too much to look at right we've just gotten used to kind of this steady stream and yes it's a drip feed but it's consistent since the 2017 article we've just seen this build up again and again and again and we get these media peaks but the subject isn't going away the right people are talking about it and i i would hazard a guess that the subject is more popular than it has ever been dan arkwright mentioned something that he still finds the topic and the subject fun and Again, that made me kind of smile because he smiles on camera and that's really important. And I try and remind myself constantly that I enjoy this topic. I like sitting, talking about UFOs, whether people, you know, want to give us abuse or not that we get abuse, but, you know, they want to disagree. That That's great. It's fine. Let's have a discussion, an argument, a debate, and then high five at the end of it and, you know, go our separate ways. But, you know, like people, when we done the NASA breakdown recently, we're like, oh, you were far too nice about them. And, to, and we're like, yeah, maybe a little bit, but maybe we were a bit optimistic about what might come from that and i get people's pessimism as well but you know the discussion the possibilities the speculation the old stuff the new stuff it's just it's enjoyable there's a lot to this subject and people can get caught up in these little bubbles sometimes and that was nice to see that dan Aykroyd ultimately for all he was talking about some heavy stuff he was just sitting going i'm just a guy who really enjoys this this subject and it seems to be that's how this whole documentary came about um towards the end of it dan it doesn't tail off but it jumps about a little bit and it becomes that you know they had the idea dan let's sit you down not you dan but the other dan that let's sit dan Aykroyd down let's talk about ufos let's go for it and at the end of it it just kind of you know let's get this in let's get this in um for me there's a bit of men in black chat at the end of the conversation where he talks about they were making a show and you know last minute some guys turned up and wasn't men in black wasn't not it never happened and it was like okay men in black something we have not talked about too often on the the podcast um i think if you draw a spider web of ufology with you know ufos in the middle and everything that that entails coming off it i think in the inner part men in black would be in there somewhere is is quite an interesting part of the the topic for many people um dan Aykroyd actually mentions that the the show was made but he might put it out on dvd but here we are 17 years later and we've never seen the, the light of day from it so there's there's footage there somewhere i would like to see um but for me men in black dan just for people newer to the podcast and haven't heard your thoughts on it before i mean the the phenomenon of you know suited beings or mysterious beings or weird kind of being strange i would say uh people showing up to interrogate uh, uh, people that have experiences is commonplace but it's kind of faded off now i would say mm. um and and i wonder if it's maybe part of because we talk about how this phenomena is represented in many different ways across history and i wonder if this that's just one of the ways they expressed or you know i kind of i'm fond of the idea that if they are here then the men in black could be them doing footwork on the ground or legwork on the ground you know a little bit we, like we, the Project Blue Book TV series where they've yeah. got one of the guys who's clearly something else. and Yes. And and the, we always talk about breakaway civilizations and things like that. And who, who knows? Like a group of people could have done that and the technology could have changed them to the point where we see them as strange and something other. 
do you think though there's also an element of the stigma with that if if people these days came forward and said oh these guys turned up afterwards and they were like men in black types and they threatened me that you wouldn't believe them anyway because you hear so many claims about all kinds of things on social media for example is where you would hear it that you it's okay where's your proof that the last bit of men in black proof that i've seen was the uh, was it the Vancouver right. Niagara Falls case? Where Niagara Falls, a, yeah, I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, the clip of the guy walking through the, the hotel lobby. It's I um, think it's two guys, isn't it? They they come yeah. in kind of side by side. And yeah, they, they look the absolute part. But unless we have a time machine, we can't go back. It, it's one of those choose your own adventure things. And we're seeing that now with the possible UAS slash UAP kind of thing from the drive where the language is vague enough or the thing is vague enough that we can just go blue in the face arguing over it forever. And and I think it's important that we kind of try and step back and see the forest for the trees, you know? And another thing I suppose now is, would you need a men in black type group when there's so, so many people have a voice now because of social media that we never had that in the past, that everyone's shouting all at the same time anyway. So let people put their UFO footage out there. Let people talk about it everyone else is talking about a million other different things and ultimately you know who won johnny and amber so it just gets lost in the noise so you don't need men in black anymore and that intimidation tactics yeah. because yeah people won't believe you anyway it'd be Put an online. excellent way to kind of gather for your you know your databanks and stuff as well uh yeah we, we know that the police have tools where they can say i want to know who's talking about what thing within a 23 mile radius of this event uh, who might be within the age range of 15 to 18 and you know might have seen a light in the sky and the system will just tell them across every social network who did that i mean that's that compared to years ago to get that level of information that's an incredible level of access so yeah i i imagine you you wouldn't need people doing the same amount of legwork and showing up and you know taking things from people yeah i think i've talked before about uh, i enjoy some of the phoenix light stuff again which is in this documentary they talk about and show some footage from that um dan Aykroyd kind of finishes up mentioning he's he's been on art bell recently um and that's when i'll have to get a copy of and listen to it if someone can find it or send me it that would be great i would love to hear dan Aykroyd's conversation with art bell um i would appreciate that one if anyone does have it and he mentions harold ramus a colleague of his you know rest in peace now because harold ramus no longer with us uh, played Egon in the Ghostbusters and also directed Groundhog Day, the movie. There's one for you folks. Some people might not <laughs> know that. Um, but he mentioned that Harold Ramis wasn't a believer, but he would have conversations about UFOs and Harold Ramis very much was someone who was like, maybe there's something, but until there's irrefutable proof, then I'm not really interested. And I think that's still where many people are at. But I think we've, we've had that needle move a little bit uh, as where we are in 2022 now. Anything else, Dan, in the documentary before I ask you your overall thoughts that, that stood out to you? Um, I, I liked that when he spoke about the multiverse stuff, uh, the example he gave was that a dimension could literally be a bubble that's one, by one, one millimeter across on the back of his left ear. And that's a really good point. It's important to try and understand that. And I, I'd say he's quite he's quite well read to start thinking about that kind of stuff yes. because it's absolutely kind of you know what physics talks about now. Recently, we, we found a... We thought black holes had to be massive, but we found that actually they can be super, super tiny. Um, and we we think that I, you know, the listeners might have heard about uh, Planet Nine that there might be a planet out there, Roman our solar system that kind of has has a certain gravitational pull, um, and that the orbits of the other planets don't make sense without it. There's some thinking now that that could be a tiny black hole. 
Um, so it's it's terrifying to think about, but also fascinating to think that you know all this new science is being discovered. And yeah, it was a really good example of of multiverse. And again, it's that's a good example of we still don't know everything. And yes. When you look back and you learn in school that hundreds and thousands of years ago they thought X, and it turns out Y was true. And what's it going to be like in a few hundred years from now? Basic things we thought were true actually we'll, we'll laugh at it you know yeah i mean a, a very very good example of that is we talk about space time as being a medium and things like that actually the physics or the physicists that are kind of on the leading edge know that space time kind of really isn't a thing that kind of supports what's going to be there and if if there's an underlying mechanism it's we we've blown past space time as a paradigm we don't need it anymore there needs to be something better that was just a theory that served a purpose for a little while overall thoughts for me I'll start with you, Dan, actually, because we'll end on a positive in terms of overall thoughts. Dan, what did you think of this? It, it's grown on me a little bit because it generated conversation between us about some of the better aspects of it. And that's really what these things exist to do. I think a lot of people are going to, you know, maybe go look up the Tether incident or STS or the one you spoke about. And that's ultimately a good thing. So I'm going to bump my score for it up a little bit. But I did write, originally write a two out of 10. But I'm, I'm going to go for a solid six out of 10 now. Because, yeah, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't ancient aliens. Um, but I think if it was made now, it would probably just be a podcast episode that was an hour and a half long, you know? Okay, I'm going to give it better than your six out of 10. I'm going to give it three out of five. So there we go, folks. So um, I'm far more positive than Dan on that one uh, with a thumbs just above the middle. Uh, It has aged a little bit, but for me, it's an enjoyable documentary, largely for having a celebrity not necessarily associated with the UFO subject, especially in 2022, uh, other than his Crystal Skull Vodka. Um, If they want to sponsor the podcast, get in touch, Dan. (laughs) um, Send us a few bottles of it. We'll give some away. But, you know, he's he's never really done much more in the subject other than this and it'd probably be nice to hear him talk about it in modern day um yes, I, I, I have reached out folks people ask me you know it's like when people email oh get chris mellon on i i have tried can, can i, I ask try. Who, who who did you call uh, uh see what you done <laughs> um, that was going to be my one for the end um <laughs> But overall, yeah, folks, for me, it's worth watching. It's an hour and 22 minutes. Don't go out your way. Um, Documentaries like The Phenomenon, for example, are are much more worth your time and dollars. This is free. It's on YouTube. Stick it on in the background. Easy watch. And there's some interesting footage, especially the NASA stuff in there, given what's going on with NASA just now as well. Um, It it definitely stands a kind of an opportunity for someone. Uh, to to go and make a really really good NASA UFO documentary, right? Hundred uh, percent. Some listener thoughts on it, folks. Just to finish up, um, Bathory said, "I'm watching that Ackroyd documentary now. It's really bothering me that Paul Hellier is speaking so genuinely to a hall of crickets." Paul Hellier, former Defence Minister for Canada, um, a, a very elderly gentleman now as well. I believe is Paul Hellier not in his nineties now? I believe he's getting on a bit now. Yeah, he? I know a few people have asked about interviewing Paul Hellier in the past, but he's a very elderly gentleman. I think he's done his bit in the UFO topic and subject, and for me, that's that'll be his legacy and, and what he's discussed. And he's he's glittering career before that, so that that's not one I would pursue just given his age and, and health status. But um, yeah, he said some pretty incredible things um, on, on the topic. Some of that, no doubt, down to knowledge. Some of it down to things he's been told. Maybe some of it is his 
elderly kind of years, if I can say that. Who knows? It might he, be a bit he's of kind mix. of being absolved a lot, a lot, I think, because of the work that Dan Otis and Vice is doing, kind of yeah. digging up all of these files. The the torch has been passed, I would say, to to a bunch of modern day officials um, and journalists like Dan at the, the Vice. So yeah, Paul, Paul, enjoy enjoy the fruits of your labor, and and I think I would say that he's one of these guys for me that I'd love to interview him and talk to him. But ultimately, what is there that he hasn't said, right? Hundred percent. And with this accent as well, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't work. Um, <laughs> Metaphysica said Dan waxes eloquently on the fleet of UFOs spotted by the Mexican Air Force, which has since been proven to be oil fields at sea. And yeah. yes, that was one that I thought as well. And when I saw that comment, I was like, yes, that that's correct. But again, I, I think that could be a a product of its time. To be fair. I think it is, yeah. And the the filmmaker might not necessarily have consulted Dan Aykroyd as well about putting that clip there. Yeah. And he just kind of asked him to wax lyrical about that sighting. And at the time, it might not have been solved. So yeah, we have, we have to remember that place in, in history. Yeah. And to be fair, there wasn't a sleuth, a whole bunch of debunkers or skeptics waiting by your side like there is now in social media that do a good work as well. Because like we've just said, the the drive content, the drive article. Um, again, we'll put the link for that in description to this podcast so people don't give us into trouble. Um, the you know they very quickly and rightly debunked that as its lights, and that's what you need because let's get rid of that now. Okay, we don't have to talk about that anymore unless you want to go into the why is that kind of stuff coming out. But that's a different discussion for another day. Um, Missy said, "I loved it." Um, FPL spaceman, wow, what a oh, guy, nice. what a human being. <laughs> uh, imagine just for a second getting a phone call from Britney Spears at the same moment the men in black turn up to scare you off. This would be a great guest for the show, Andy. Um, Britney Spears or Dan Aykroyd, yeah. Um, YJ Overlander, always like Dan's perspectives. I think he means Aykroyd, sorry, Dan. I think he's aware of more <laughs> than he says. So I don't think Dan Aykroyd at this time was one of those guys who, who knew maybe more than he said. I think he oh. was like, well informed and are well read like you said dan where he's read some books he's watched some documentaries maybe spoken to some friends who know some people and he's heard some kind of maybe second or third hand information i I don't think it was a a tom DeLong type situation myself you you often allude to kind of a a andy's puzzle model i call it um that you you know those pieces are out there and if you Mm. spend enough time kind of pulling them into some kind of shape you can kind of get the edges of a picture and make a solid guess at at kind of where the conversation was going and i think he was one of the people that just took time to do that yeah 100 percent um sam phasm great name Uh, when i first saw this i couldn't believe it dan Aykroyd is into ufos in a big way mind was blown love the guy the the rogan appearance didn't do him justice um Kent Reynolds, who noticed the similarity of the Pyramid UFO sketch to Jeremy Corbell's Pyramid UF UAP video. Quite an old documentary, but amazing comparisons to what is being discussed right now in Congress. We should review more old documentaries with new eyes. Kudos, Mr. Aykroyd. Well, hence us doing this and looking at some of those older docs and pulling up the the relevant bits. And I think for me, the big takeaway for this is the the NASA stuff, which is like, yeah, look, this is is there. It's been there. We've had this for a while. Let's get yeah, chatting. absolutely. And and n- remember, NASA is public facing. They've said that they're going to be talking about this as they go and they investigate. Uh, the public page is now up, so you can kind of see their project intent and things like that. And yeah, there's an email at the bottom. Get in touch. Send them these videos. Send them all the NASA videos and the astronaut testimony, just so they're aware of it, because they can't address it if they're not aware of it. Give them a hand. 
Laura and Linda both said the same comment of they loved it and it's underappreciated. Uh, Wajela, hi Wajela, uh, would love to see Dan come out of the shadows and go on a few podcasts like yours, wouldn't we all? And David, look, uh, this is Dan, and I'm deliberately left this one as a more sceptical comment, just to be fair okay. right at the end. This is Dan just repeating the popular talking points of the day. Haven't seen it in a while, but I remember he sounded like somebody that went to a UFO convention and believed everything he heard and repeating it as fact, somewhat like Paul Hellier. And everyone is entitled to their opinion. I, I I get the sentiment of what David's saying there, and I can't totally disagree with, with that notion either. Yeah, that, that was something I very much came away from the Brogan appearance with, is that uh, Dan Aykroyd, he means very well. He believes everyone that he meets. Um, that, for me, is problematic, but I totally appreciate that he does that. And that's it's kind of really lovely and compassionate way to, to approach life. And that that naivety will lend itself well to kind of having conversations and forming that picture and getting in in conversations that you otherwise wouldn't have right we, we need people like that yeah if you've lasted this long folks then thank you very much um if you would like to hear us review a particular documentary for the next one of these in the coming weeks or at least in the next kind of three or four weeks then let us know what you would like that to be email you jfk what one jfk jfk there's a lot of JFK documentaries. I remember the movie so about it as a kid, but yeah, that's that's totally the digressing. Oliver Stone one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally digressing. Um, but yes, uh, email UFO UAP AM at gmail.com or DM, whatever you would like to do, and throw some suggestions our way. A few people have suggested things like the Dorothy Isaac uh, UFO documentary, which is on Amazon or Amazon Prime. Um, I, I haven't read the book, but I've heard that the book paints a very different picture that the documentary does. So I plan on reading the book one day, and maybe, maybe when I do that, we can do that episode then. And I could then do the documentary and not you have do to the documentary read. if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's cool. cool. Yep, there you go. <laughs> um, but if there's anything, Dan, anything before we go that you would review personally? If I said we've got something in the coming weeks, what you would want to do? I think I'd like to go back over um, James Fox's old documentaries, j- just because. He he mopped up so much footage that I think some of it would prompt really interesting discussion. Like, I know what I saw is one of them. Yes, out of the blue as well. Out of the blue, yep. So again, if there's any of those that stand out to you folks, give us a shout and we'll see what we can do. But enjoy doing this. Hopefully it raised some talking points and some interesting thoughts for you as well. If not, it's gave you something to watch for an hour and 22 minutes. But yes, Dan, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO UAPAM. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer.